We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And welcome in, everybody. This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I'm your guest host tonight, sitting in for Lance. I am Scott Kennedy. Y'all should know me by now. I've been here every night all week. Everybody should know me by now, but I am sitting in for Lance. Uh, had gone a year without doing a show with with this guy, and all of a sudden we're doing them all the time now. So, Eric, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, and it's nice that it's not a early morning show that I'm doing where I'm up at five thirty. It's only four o'clock for me, so I'm actually you know more awake and able to stay focused on the topic at hand. But uh, I appreciate you joining me while Lance is out trying to kill Bambi's mother. So it's it's nice to. I love doing pods with other people. I love doing them with Lance, but getting to sit down with other people is always a joy. Well, I, I don't know what the big deal is. It's usually only 4 o'clock when you do shows with me in the morning, too, for you. <laughs> 4 a.m. That's, that's, that's usually about the time I'm getting up to pee for the second time in the middle of the night is 4 a.m. So I'd be awake. So uh, a lot to unpeel, lots of layers to unpeel tonight. Eric, I want to I want to get your expertise on this. This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers, so we can start getting into a lot of the intricacies of the game, the formations, the matchups, all of those type of things. But first off, tell me some of the injury report. I mean, I know we in our in our own little bubble, we know how beat up the Denver Broncos have been, and somehow coming off a bye week where they're not doing any contact, they keep getting more and more hurt. Riddle me this one, but the Titans are in a bad way too, aren't they? They are. And the biggest thing that I was keeping an eye on is what is the status of Jeffrey Simmons? He's out for the game, which is huge for the Broncos interior offensive lineman or interior offensive line, because he is probably the second best interior defensive lineman this season so far. He's been absolutely killing it as a pass rusher. He's in the top two in total pressures, pass rush, win, win rate, pass rush productivity. He's just up there in all of those. And then, it's not like he's weak against run. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen against the run as well, which that's what the Broncos have struggled with the most. So not having him is huge. No Bud Dupree is huge. No Zach Cunningham. No Amani Hooker, who is huge for their coverage unit. Like so many injuries that on the defensive side of the ball. And that is a good defense that they have. So missing those key pieces does help out the Broncos a little bit. Now, 
did you just name all offensive players or what? So it seems like the the, the the beat up, I guess when you play 85 snaps against the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to come up with a little, you know, with, with some injuries. You get those guys off the field. Yeah, I mean, um, with the with the defense, I mean, one thing that is going to help them out, is, especially on the front with uh, Bud Dupree being out and Jeffrey Simmons, they have good depth on those. But the bigger concern is linebackers at Cunningham being out because behind him, I believe, is Dylan Cole who's going to step in, and he's just been all right. The other linebacker, David Long, has absolutely been tremendous. And then I don't know who their backup safety is going to be. It's either going to be a guy who's being converted from corner or a guy who's, I, if I remember correctly, has been essentially a fourth or fifth stringer throughout the NFL for a few years. I can't remember who their the other option is for them off the top of my head. All right, before so, we unpack it too much, sorry, I thought you were, you were finished. Go ahead. So It's all good. I was just going to say is that – it's just it's one of those things where as you were getting at with playing against the Chiefs, like they're gonna be beat up, but they're even beat more beat up than I think that we would have imagined. Yeah, I know I, I thought that Jeffrey Simmons was going to play like, oh, he hasn't practiced all week. He hadn't practiced in three weeks and he hasn't missed a game, but you could tell watching him against the Chiefs that he wasn't one of the top defensive players in the NFL. He was he was a good defensive lineman. He wasn't Jeffrey Simmons that we've come to know. Maybe he needs this week off. Uh, if this was a different game and not necessarily the Denver Broncos, do you think he'd play or do you think this is a this is a uh, he's out no matter who the opponent is right now? From after I saw that he was out, I did some digging on Twitter to see kind of what the situation was there. It seems like that there was something that happened against the Chiefs where he just kind of like aggravated the ankle a little bit and so i think that he was going to be out of this game no matter who they were playing just because of the re-aggravation of it all right well i want to say before we dig in too deep here no pun intended or maybe there was i want to say hello to some folks in the chat who have come in and dylan von arks who is a huge help to mile high huddle on youtube thank you so much and, and it's turned into quite the scribe on milehighhuddle.com uh, so sup Broncos country, make sure you hit the like button on the way in share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. If you happen to find us on Twitter, hit that retweet button, you, you probably got some more Broncos fans following you. So it's, it's the easiest thing you can do hit that like and, uh, and, and share button retweet, however you find us to, uh, to help this show and all of our shows grow. No fear coming in early says good evening, Eric Scott and Dylan and all of Broncos country. Kevin Gray was in here early as well saying evening. Broncos country, Lance and Eric. I can't believe a bye week got KJ hurt. Wasn't just KJ either. Uh, was it? <laughs> it was. Didn't Andrew Beck? Was he the one that went down with a, with another hamstring injury? Andrew so, Beck. Andrew Beck went down with a hamstring injury. Injury, and then they had an illness that just swept through it too. Because Darius Phillips, Nick Benito, and Kendall Hinton all have missed time with it, with an illness this week. Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> It's a, it's a battle of survival. They've loosened the rules on being able to move guys up and down a little bit. But, you know, when you compare college football where you're allowed, you know, basically 105 players, 85 on scholarship to the 53, there's a reason why you rotate in. You got maybe 35 core guys and everybody else is just shuffling in and out all over the place. Um, you see why. Um, and then, uh, you know, Kevin comes in and he's not the, the only one to say this, but one of the first. Strength and conditioning coaches need to go at least change things. Um, hope middle of the O-line can help get a win. So I I have – what I try and do is take my cynicism and educate other people. <laughs> Here's what – you don't don't listen to what coaches say in the, in the press. 
watch what they do because coaches lie so much they don't call it lying they call it coach speak so one of the things i picked up at an early age was when local beat writers start asking the tough questions when they finally start they're state media basically they're beholden to their credential they don't want to upset the the team that gives them the credential and be pulled lose their access they need actually they need the relationship with the coaches when they start asking the tough questions it means something has changed it means they're being told there's actually concern the people that control their access is basically pushing them in that direction let's get that narrative out there because something needs to happen eric those questions are being asked about landau and the strength and conditioning staff now aren't they they are and i for years have defended the fact that injuries happen mm -hmm. but what we're seeing especially this year is so many soft tissue injuries and so i dug into a little bit before the Broncos, for the five or six years before the Broncos made the change with their strength and conditioning coach, they were consistently in the bottom 10 in unique injuries that cause a player to miss a game. So it's not like, so it's not a, oh, this player missed three games with the same injury. It was just counted as one injury. Mm -hmm. They were consistently in the bottom 10, except for the final year where they went to, they were like 11th. Every year in since Landau was hired, they were in the top five in unique injuries that have caused the caused the player to miss a game that just it, it's mind-blowing to me because he's a guy that he was when he was hired he was so praised so much because so many nfl players were going to him in the offseason and working out with him and a lot of the broncos players i mean philip lindsey was a big one he advocated highly for the broncos to go out and hire hire landau and had a big part in having that happen so a bunch of other players did as well but when you have this huge change in the amount of injuries that you're suffering you got to look at the strength and conditioning coach i've heard some talk about how he handles it and how hard he has players going is a big is a big reason why they're having all these injuries um at least these soft tissue injuries so you, you got to make a change at this point he survived multiple coaching staff changes it, it's time to make that change yeah and i, I think that the just you know reading the tea leaves and people asking the questions it's getting asked in press conferences where it wasn't before, you know, it was kind of off limits. When it starts being asked publicly, you know, you know, changes in the wind. So I'll, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, a friend of mine uh, played offensive line in the NFL for about eight years or so. And he talked about, we had this new guy come in and he changed us all where the offensive linemen were not allowed to lift. We had to sneak in and lift weights because we're linemen. We want to lift. And it went to really high plyometric stuff where they're doing. So it was a radical change. He says the entire team pulled hamstrings or pulled something within the first six weeks. That's not the case here, though. This is someone that's this is an established system. He goes, and he, he actually he admitted, my friend admitted, he goes, you know, by the middle of the season, those changes started paying off and we were doing things better, but it was a radical change and it had an effect on our bodies. This this isn't this isn't new. You know, your system's been in place for a long time. Um, Eric, I've seen I've seen it when someone comes to a new team and it changes, but this this is established players, established team, and it's a problem. It it, it is a problem. And and I, I think I think the writing's on the wall right now, Eric. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I'm not well-versed in the whole, you know, working out and changes with that and everything. But I have enough knowledge that if you, there's a reason why you get on regiments with when you're working out and everything and you stick to those and bringing a drastic change to that. Yeah. Injuries are expected. Like, because you're just completely changing what you're doing. You're changing from what your body's used to. That's understandable. And for a certain amount of time. Okay. That makes sense. And I think for the first season, that was kind of the excuse that many gave Lauren Lando was that it was just a complete change. They were changing a lot of it. There was changing of some equipment that they were using. So that led to a little bit more injuries, but it's been year after year after year. And this is what the seventh, sixth year, I think seventh year, fifth year, something like that. 2017, I think is when he was hired in and every single year consistently top five, most unique injuries to cause a player to miss a game every single year. It's time. And Diamond Rattler comes in. He says, boom, let's go. Looks like new uniforms and logo in a couple of years. Um, I haven't looked into that too much, Eric. What have, what have, was there some news about this? I, uh, you know, I'm watching players and, and teams and kids baseball and all kinds of stuff. I don't, I don't keep up with the, the colors so much. Yeah, I opened Twitter earlier and I saw a few people talking about, oh, we hope these are the uniforms. I have this thing of I don't care what the team wears as long as they're good. And until they're good, I'm not going to care. It's why I don't care about the whole white tops, blue pants look. I, I don't care. I, I just want to see a good football team. So if there's been news on that, great. I do think, like, as, as a fan, I do think that the uniforms are a little bit ugly, and I'd like to see the old D logo come back a little bit. But I don't care enough to sit here and look into the news on it, to be honest. Yeah, I got on a tangent the other day about uh... – the when the Panthers and Jaguars came into the league, they both went with the, they they had identical uniforms, just different color schemes with those swoosh uh, logos, and then everybody went to these swoosh logos. Oh, I hated them. I love the old I, I love the old Broncos D. I love them. I love the yeah. Patriots. You know the, the the man down in the lineup. I, I the 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 old Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a little bit of a original swoosh, but you know the Eagles, the Chargers. You know I like the the old logos instead of everybody looks exactly the damn same swoosh and they're just changing colors uh, so looks like they're bringing some of that back hey a little diversity in our look is actually a good thing jetty splash coming in he says he was the six one in he was excited about that woohoo um and as jamie says on youtube dupree and simmons out are huge yes it is um jeffrey Ariano, that one's a tough one. Ariano, that one's close. Uh, saying hello. How are you doing, my friend? And uh, Mario coming in says, go Denver Broncos. Glad you're here on YouTube. And Chase asked a question. I saw this one earlier, Chase. That's why we spent a little bit more time on it. I knew you had asked as well. Is it reasonable to question Lauren Landro at this point? It's probably reasonable 
I've been doing this going on two years now, and this podcast has been questioning Lauren Londrow for going on, well, two years now. So <laughs> it's been going on for a while. It has been going on for a while. Patrick Wiltsey coming in from Hawaii. Speaking of time zone differences, welcome in, Patrick. Patrick is our co- our caffeine hookup. So check out lioncoffee.com. Good stuff. Tell him you found us here on MHH. That's not an ad. That's just a hey, thanks to uh, one of our supporters, too. So let me hit our first super here real quick as Garth has come in, kicking us off, kicking us off green. So Scott, you've been a superstar this week, filling in and dispensing some good knowledge. I'm glad you think so, Garth. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always think uh, in the immortal words of corn, it's me again. You know, so hey, I try and try and keep it light. And one of the things that helps is such a great variety of co-hosts. So I've got a chance to listen to Eric on on some of this. So, uh, but appreciate you coming in green um, with the super. Now, Eric, with some of these defenders out, what where do you see some of the key matchups right now for the Broncos? Let's say offense, because to be honest with you, watching the Titans shut down the chiefs last week. I'm like, I don't know how Denver is going to move the ball on these guys. I just don't. They, they, they get pressure with four. They contain basically the Broncos offense has been a busted play. That's been, that's been the, the offense, which is why you haven't been very good this year. These guys don't give up broken plays. They're very, very disciplined. They don't take a lot of chances and they flow to the football. Like, I don't know how Denver's going to score on these guys. Yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult. And I think the big thing is, is people don't, a lot of people don't realize how good that defense is as a whole, but especially those corners. Christian Fulton, all the, this is nothing against Patrick Sertan, but for all the praise he gets, Christian Fulton has completely flown under the radar and he is having a tremendous season. He has bought in as a run defender and he's brings it there and he's so good in coverage. He's been having one of the best seasons in coverage of all the corners in the NFL and just absolutely tremendous. David Long as a linebacker, he, you can do so much with him because of the athleticism he brings. So it's going to be hard if he gets matched up against against Greg Dulcich, it's going to be a little bit difficult there. And then the other corner, Roger McCreary, he's been a rookie. Like he's had some rough moments, but he's had some solid play as well. And he's going to be going up a lot against Jerry Judy. And that is a good matchup there for the, um, for the Titans as well. The biggest thing is trying to work your matchups to where you don't have Greg Dulcich against David Long. You want him against whoever is stepping in for Zach Cunningham or you want him matched up against the backup safety that's going to be come in if you're able to draw him down a little bit because you don't you can't really attack deep against them because Kevin Biard is such a threat. And not to mention one thing too is Russell Wilson really struggles against cover two and cover four. Those are two of the four main coverages they use, cover one and cover three being the other ones. But one thing when I've watched the Titans over the season is they adjust their defense as good coaches do they adjust their coverage to work against the quarterback. So I would expect a lot more cover two, cover four, which is just going to make things a lot more difficult for the Broncos offense because of Russell Wilson's, his own struggles against those. So do you think Dulcich is the key player for the Broncos on offense right now? Or do you think it could be somewhere else? And then maybe Dulcich is kind of an X factor. Cause I'll be honest with you. When I hear that a rookie tight end with three games in the league under his belt is, you know, your key player that makes me nervous. <laughs> that, that's like, okay, that, 
kind of like, hey, Cam Fleming's been your best offensive lineman. That tells me where this team is right now. Um, <laughs> you know, so but losing Hamler, you know, you're talking about a deep threat. Ham, there's Hamler. You know, he's mm-hmm. got he's got a little bit more speed. Or you know, can Jerry Judy be a guy that ends up breaking out, so to speak, or be a key player on this team? Well, I guess Nathaniel Hackett made a comment about Jalen Virgil possibly getting out there on the field. And he's got a lot to work on as a receiver. Everything I've heard is that his route running, his understanding of the offense is still very much developing. But he's he brings, guy. yeah, he's a track guy. He's he, a track he can guy. go he's up a, he's a 10, 200 meters track guy. He's, yeah. he's not a receiver that happens to run track. He's a track star that went yeah. out for football. And losing Hamler's speed that he brings, which that to me is the is the key is having that speed because using that is what ha- opened up Dulcich against the Jaguars. Because if you go back and watch the big plays Greg Dulcich had, they were consistently and Lance Anderson actually has a good film piece up on my Lie Huddle that's worth checking out about Dulcich that covers a lot of this. Is they put Hamler and Dulcich on the same side. And they created a problem for the Jaguars defense to overthink things about what are they going to, what is Hamler doing, which led to a broken play where you see Greg Dulcich wide open on the sideline or running by a defender because that be burning by a safety because the safety is coming down because of the speed that Hamler has. So not having Hamler out there is going to hurt Dulcich. And so I don't think he's the key factor of it. I think having that speed is to make him a more of a factor than, you know, just him doing it himself. Savage boy, Kev coming in on, on Twitch. He said, Eric was right about the edge depth, man. Well, he's got the old shake in my head here. With that being said, is edge an underrated position that the Broncos could go for in the draft? Uh, I've said my piece on this one, Eric, and, and I'm, I'm curious to think what you have to say. And again, when I say in the draft at edge, I mean specifically first round on, on this one. I'm not sure if Kevin does, but when we talk about an underrated position, as you get into the middle rounds, you could go anywhere. You know, then it's not necessarily, you know, you're, you're looking to fill needs and stuff. But would you use a premium draft pick on an edge player again? Yes, just because edge is, edge, edge is such a valuable position in of itself. And then you factor in that Baron Browning has – Already, he's a year and a half into the NFL, into his NFL career, and he's already missed a lot of games because of injury. And he keeps getting hurt, too. Randy Gregory has never had a full season, though not always because of injuries, because of suspensions that early on. Nick Benito, we still don't know what he's going to be. He still he was a pick that was for 2023 that was supposed to be developed over this year that has had to step in because of those injuries. So, yeah, I would definitely take – look at edge there would depend on who falls of course and this edge room edge class is extremely talented and you can get i think it would also be an option of trading down and still getting one of the edges that falls because the top of this edge class right now is absolutely insane to me that's good news um i think if you're looking at the premium positions um you can go pretty much any one of them and and be okay on this team except quarterback. You're you're not you're you're it's too soon to be using a first round draft pick on a quarterback because you're married to Russell Wilson for three years after this one. So maybe next year, but probably 2024 is when you first start looking, unless you're willing to eat just a unbelievable dead cap and throw in a season completely away because it's gone to crap. We don't anticipate that happening. Premium positions, I think you'd be okay. If an offensive tackle is your favorite player on the board, you could go OT. Uh, you could put him at left, right, 
figure it out. Garrett Bowles has one more year for sure. Not even for sure. Garrett Bowles is, is not, not expendable, but his contract gives you options and you need a right tackle. Yeah. Wide receiver. You've got Sutton. You've got Tim Patrick coming off an injury. And then you've got possible guys moving on in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Wide receiver is on the table. Cornerback, you've got Pat Sertan. And then you have a need for a partner opposite Patrick Sertan. So you could go corner. So for me, of the premium positions, you could go any one of those directions except for a quarterback and feel good about that pick if you get the right guy. So yes, Kev. Edge is a position you could absolutely go for in the draft. Diamond Rattler comes back in. He says, Scott, did you see that pick Marcus Mariota threw last night when he hit the ground and threw the ball up? That was funny. You mean, you mean uh, that pick? (laughs) 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 Yeah, we've seen the butt fumble. That was the butt throw. Um, Marcus Mariota has played a competent quarterback position this year. He looked awful last night. It wasn't just him. And the Falcons have a long and distinguished history of laying eggs, no pun intended for the birds, on national television. Um, you know, one was very fortunately to the Denver Broncos of, you know, just embarrassing themselves uh, in, in front of a national audience. And they, true to form, did a very good job of that last night. So, yes, uh, we did get to see that. Uh, Phil McLaughlin coming in with some stars. Thank you, Phil. Says evening, uh, Eric and Deacon Scott on my way to grandson's basketball game. Just wanted to say hi. Well, if you watch us later, which you probably will, because that's just the kind of guy you are. Uh, here's your shout. Appreciate the stars kicking us off. We had Garth kicking us off with the super chat. Phil breaking the ice on Facebook. Want to say uh, to wanted to say thank you to all of y'all. CIA coming in. Say I wish Eric Trickle was a right tackle all the time. Legend of Alaska. What do you think about that, Eric? I don't have long enough arms. I don't move well. I, I'm on a bad weight. Like, no. <laughs> I was thinking guard. When I saw you stand up the first time, at, uh, you were, it was at the first meet and greet, and you, you were in the background of the camera like, well, hell, there's your guard. Good Lord. Get Eric out there. Standing at six foot, six foot one on a good day. Like, nah. <laughs> too short, too, too small of arms. All right. Now, one of the questions I have, and I'd be curious to hear what you have to say, is how much different can this team be with the, uh, a change at center? With you know, it looks like Graham Glasgow is going to get to get the go again. Um, so now we're looking at Fleming could be out. Good lord, Calvin Anderson, a left tackle, Reisner, left guard, Glasgow, Miners, Turner as that five. It, that's what we all had at the beginning of the season, right? <laughs> um, how do you think this team could uh, improve based on uh, you know a change at center? Well, what this is the fifth st- fifth different starting lineup on the offensive line the Broncos have had this season, I think. And uh, so, I was pounding the table for Graham Glasgow to take over at center for a long time. Um from things that I had heard multiple conversations with a bunch of different people was that there are many in the Broncos coaching staff who wanted Glasgow to be the center, but he was too tall for the quarterback. And Tough. so that they, they, yeah, that's my, that was my thought. But who, who, they, stuck, the show? they stuck with, they went with the shorter one. 
when Glasgow took over against the Jaguars, there is no denying that the unit got better because of what Glasgow can do is a little more trustworthy than what the issues with Cushionberry. There was no longer a dedicated aspect of the offensive line where one of the guards had to give Cushionberry some sort of help every single play. So it gave up, gave you more options with what you can do. That said, it's not like the offensive line went from a bad unit to a great unit. They went from a bad unit to a little less bad with the change. I think with, and some of the issues that we did see still was communications, which can be corrected with Glasgow getting, you know, all the practice reps at center and going forward as a starting center, not having those, there's going to be communication errors. So I would expect a decent showing from the offensive line. I think that it would be not much difference from different from the norm that we've had if Jeffrey Simmons was playing because he going against Dalton Reisner, who is now the weakest link on the offensive line would be a crap show consistently. <laughs> um, so, so I think Glasgow, I think Glasgow will do fine. I think center for where he's at in his career is much better for him than guard. So I would, I, I think we'll see better from him than we saw at guard over the first few games. But overall, I still think the offensive line will have a solid showing, but not a great showing. Kevin Zimmerman coming in blue with the YouTube super chat. He says injury so bad, even I'm doubtful for Sunday's game. We'll get better, man. You know, we we, we need you out there. We definitely need you out there. Um, watching that defensive line, the running mate for Simmons is a big round dude named Tart. Tear Tart. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name. Um, but watching him, he goes one direction forward. So. If he's lined up head up over Reisner, Reisner's still going to need some help because yeah. this guy is a bulldozer. He goes one way. Laterally, not so much. Um, there was a, a play that I thought was pretty funny where um, they were playing the Titans, I guess. They were playing the Titans. They were playing Mahomes. So Mahomes is, is, is escaping containment. And basically, as soon as he gets a step outside of Tart, Tart just kind of puts it into like a cruise. Like, yeah, man, I ain't catching this dude. No way. And he just kept that same speed right all the way over into the bench and sat down. He's <laughs> like, this is too much running for me. I'm done. Um, but then, and then as I watched him later on, when what he is good at is what Riser and Cushenberry were terrible at which is setting the point of attack, setting yeah. the line of scrimmage. They're getting bullied backwards. So I would line Tart up over Reisner, not mm -hmm. Miners. I think Miners can hold his own with a guy that's going to come one direction with pure strength. Uh, and that would free Glasgow up to help Miners. But an interesting matchup to watch there is, uh, is Tart and where he lines up on that offensive line. Chris Chanch is saying, do you think we can win this game this week? Scott's still the best. Don't forget, Eric. Don't forget that Eric is also good or don't Eric. Don't forget that Scott is the best <laughs> punctuation matters. Chris, um, I'm going to go with, uh, we do not forget Eric because Eric, Eric, there's a lot of great around here, but appreciate the uh, coming in green with the super chat. Chris also, do you think uh, PS2 will get his first interception DB for life? Eric, we had a question in uh, you know, preseason. Do you think Pat Sertan can get, it was something like, seven eight nine ten interceptions more than i was comfortable with considering how many chances he'd get opportunities he'd get um but do you think you know this is the game where he he breaks that duck gets the uh gets the interception i mean it's entirely plausible and it doesn't really matter which quarterback plays the titans uh, passing game is almost non-existent they have some decent weapons 
Robert Woods is a solid receiver. I like what Traylon um, Burks has done his rookie year. For the most part, there's been some issues there. But outside of that, it's kind of like a who's who of not so good. Um, so I would expect Patrick Sertan to essentially shut down whoever he's on. on. And I would expect that if Ryan Tannehill starts, they're, he's probably going to look at picking on Damari Mathis far more frequently. So that that's what makes it difficult is with Patrick Sertan's reputation mm-hmm. of being this major threat at corner, he's not going to get all these looks, and that's going to make it harder for him to get his first interception. Major threat. Um, <laughs> salute to you. Um, no, I my answer on this one is, Chris, is do you think uh, Patrick Sertan will get his first interception this week? No. I don't. I don't think he'll have the opportunity. Um, he takes away his part of the field, and he has to start getting a little bored, <laughs> honestly. So does he freelance? Does he start baiting guys? You're open. You're open. You're open. He, he gives them a little bit more room, and all of a sudden, you know, Deion Sanders was so good, he would he would do that. People started catching on to it finally, you know, but he would bait guys into throwing the ball because he had a closing speed that – He's the fastest player in game speed that I've ever watched was, was Dion, And he would, he'd bait guys. Patrick Sertan might have to start doing that to get the chances to get by. Uh, and when you do that, you're going to give up some throws, but you pick your chances. Um, but no, I, I don't think so, Chris, just because he's going to shut his guys, uh, his guys down. Let's come down uh, the child a bit. Kevin Zimmerman coming. He says Broncos country. Let's ride. Um, want to come down a little bit as we're as we're making through i think we're we're fairly well caught up on uh on the supers <laughs> william coming he says feel sorry for you scott root for the falcons and help to help cover us <laughs> this is uh this this is football became a job so actually you know i don't get into so much of the wins and losses so much as the you know the the, the analysis of it and you know frankly I like the team building aspect so much. Remember, not only did I root for the Falcons, I rooted for the Falcons in the eighties. I was a, I, I was seven years old to seventeen years old uh, in the eighties. Pretty formative years. The Falcons had one winning season that decade, nineteen eighty. That was it. <laughs> eighty one through eighty nine, they didn't have a winning. So I became a fan of the process. It helped shape how I got into this business. So the Broncos are back in the first round. I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited about that. And the team building for the Falcons should be a lot of fun this year. So, um, hey, and I always said it beats working for a living. Um, it, it does. It beats beats working for a living. Um, Eric, we're, uh, we're about 32, 33 minutes in. What are some of the burning topics you want to get into? You're like, I really want to hit on this. I know we want to hit on injuries. Um, we, we hit on the corners. How do you stop... Derek Henry, at least slow down Derek Henry in that running game. Do you tinker with formations at all or personnel? Because I had a couple ideas, but I want to hear what you have to think. Uh, the the biggest thing is make sure you tackle. Like when you hit him, you got to make sure you bring him down. And that's been a consistent issue for the Broncos. And that, that that's the obvious answer there is like whenever you hit anybody who has the ball, you got to make sure you tackle them. The But when you tinker with formations, which I think that den- the Broncos are – in a way, going to be forced to do with the injuries that they have. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them go a little bit bigger up front with Draymond Jones playing more of an edge position kind of full-time, especially with Baron Browning not back. And if Nick Benito is not a go for the game, which seems to be the expectation at the moment, then you're left with Jonathan Cooper and Jacob Martin as your two edges. 
And I mean, you're likely to call up Zach McLeod or Jonathan Kongbo, but still that leaves you a little thin there. So a defensive line that includes, you know, DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, Deshaun Williams with Draymond Jones as your edge defender, that helps you add a little bit more size to, to help you kind of combat this smaller ball. Cause I talked about how the Titans have some decent receivers and they have a bunch of guy, bunch of no names, but you don't really have to have an effective passing game to still spread out a defense and make them play small ball. Um, and that is what they, that's what they try to do is they try to spread out the defense, make them play light in the box and use Derrick Henry to run them over. And Colin Wood actually had a comment in the chat about how the Titans don't like to throw. That's because they, they can do this without a passing game. They've only thrown the ball like 176 times this season, which is the lowest. The Chicago Bears are at like 180, 188, 190, 192, something like something like that. So you don't ha you have to figure out a way to stay big even when they spread you out. So changing up your look on the defensive line is one of the best ways to do that. And I think this would be a good game for Jonas Griffith to kind of bounce back because he's been on a downward trend this season, especially after that 49ers game. That would be a huge it would be a huge bonus to have him going because he's the right type of linebacker that can prop properly combat what Derrick Henry brings to the offense. Uh, Savage Boy Kev comes on Twitch. That's a good question because I've forgotten about this guy. Because I'll I'll tell you when it is what happened to Uazarike. You know he was playing a little bit early, um, yeah. and I don't know. He's someone I sh would have tried to talk into playing offensive tackle when he was in high school. <laughs> but uh, you know, as, as a big body can help. Has he been on the practice squad? Has he been active? I I, I so, honestly I don't even know. Has he been has he been part of the inactives? He's been mostly inactive. He's on the fifty three man roster. Um, I thought he could start, but for, for this defense, I thought he can compete for the starting job over Deshaun Williams, but I also forgot how he was used in Iowa state was primarily as a stand-up edge defender. Mm -hmm. So he's learning a completely different style of play, essentially to live on the inside. And he Sounds was another like one called an regime, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. You know, where and, you know, playing in a different, completely different way than his body type might suggest where, yeah. where he was going to be playing on the next level. Yeah. And he was yet yeah, another one of those picks. Primarily all of the 2022 Broncos draft was, were picks for 2023. He was another one. He was going to develop. Matt Henningsen has been seen, seen more time because what he did in college is what he's been doing now. So he's used to it. You don't really have to develop him. Uazurike has a much higher floor. He's a freak athlete for his size. Um, doesn't always show doesn't always show up in and I don't think it showed up in testing, but on tape you can see the flashes of it. And it's just a matter of improving the football player aspect of it. And um he's had some moments on the field when he has seen it that he's that he's showing that promise, but he lacks consistency and in the against the Jets on that touchdown run, if you watch back, Uazarike is a significant reason that touchdown was actually a touchdown. All right, now I have a question for you based on formations and stuff. Now, I'm not always – I'm not studying the, okay, what set are they in every time? You know, I'm watching I'm watching the flow of the game. I'm not like, okay, they're playing this percentage of this. I know they're going into four-man fronts every so often. But I've got a problem at edge, right? I got injuries. I traded a guy away. Let's just play without an edge. Let, let's go to a 4-3. Is there anything that you've seen this year – that would indicate that I could go Draymond, Purcell, 
Deshaun, DJ as a front four, and then my three linebackers basically inside guys playing behind them. And all of a sudden I just got big and mean. I got I got I got Jonas Griffith, Singleton, Josie Jewell, and I got a big front four. Basically what the Titans do. <laughs> it's very yeah. similar to what they do with theirs. And dare I dare you. I'm gonna get big. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my run stuffers in. I'm gonna be playing big. I got mobile linebackers. I got DJ Jones and Draymond at ends. That's that's some good mobility. I dare you to throw the ball on me. I don't think you can. And I think I can stop the run like this. Have you seen anything from this team that makes that not such a wild, crazy idea of Scott? We can't do that. They've never done it. You know, is it is it even remotely possible? The only thing that would keep me hesitant to do that is if this was a better passing offense with more weapons on on offense. Like not necessarily more weapons, but better weapons. If it wasn't just essentially a three-man show with your offensive weapons, then yeah, like I I I wouldn't be super for it because then you're because the linebackers, Josie Jewell is the best one in coverage. Alex Singleton has a lot of issues. He's a guy that you want to have him set a certain depth, and he doesn't go past that, and he keeps the play in front of him. And Jonas Griffith is the same way. So this is the perfect team to do that for giving with Baron Browning being out, Nick Benito, most likely being out, go to that big four man front that you said, and using those three linebackers, this is the perfect team to do it. There is, there is no reason why that shouldn't be a significant consideration. If not what they do against this Titans offense. If I don't have an edge, why should, why play a formation where I've got edge defenders? Let's let's go old fashioned. I mean, it sounds old fashioned. Hell, I grew up with four threes. I didn't see three fours until the mid two thousands when Nick Saban started doing more of it. In you know, and and Baltimore Ravens started doing it. Some you know, it was everything was four threes when I was growing up. You know, these guys have played four threes. Well, you have to teach new responsibilities. They're professional football players. You know, Draymond's they they played all across the lines, and frankly, they learn it. Man, it makes sense to me. You know, would I rather have my four best defensive linemen out on the field or would I rather have three of them and then two edge guys that I don't trust? That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me against – Yeah, and, and, and it's not even that I don't trust them. It's they're light. The edge guys that we're putting out there, they're light. I don't need lightweight. I need big bodies. You mentioned it, sure tacklers. I could use an extra 30 pounds out there uh, for my defensive end instead of an edge rusher when I'm going against Derrick Henry. I could use Mike Purcell in there and yeah. have him, you know – just muck it up, you know, just hold it and let your linebackers flow. Is Justin Simmons, how is he doing? Is he, as uh, William says, uh, is Simmons ruled out for sure? Um, Jeffrey Simmons is out. Justin Simmons is back, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he, he's back. He, I don't think he was on. I'm trying to reload the injury report here. Um, Justin Simmons is questionable for the game. Okay, there was... Uh, the quotes came in today. Um, Cam Fleming is questionable. Justin Simmons is questionable. Baron Browning is out. KJ Hamler is out. Andrew Beck is out. Benito Kendall are questionable with illness, you know, because his bum hamstring was making him sick. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's the other with this poor dude. Um, but again, I'm in a 4 3. And I got Simmons freelancing. I've got Justin Simmons freelancing if he's playing. You know, you're a smart guy. Figure out what they're doing. And I trust you to get back and, and have your coverage. 
it just makes a lot of sense to me. And if it doesn't yeah. work, if they burn you early and you find yourself down a couple, you know, they, 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 the last time the Denver Broncos said, we're going to make you pass Lamar Jackson torched them. Lamar Jackson's still a better thrower than this Tennessee offense. Man, and it, it just makes sense to me. I just, I'm just wondering if there's anything out there that it's like, no, this is why you cannot, and it will not happen. Man, I'd love to see it. Love to see. And it. in the in the case of Lamar Jackson too, is that Ravens offense still had more weapons than what the Titans offense currently has. And with playing big and against this team, another factor in that is the offensive line of the Titans. They are a physical unit. Jonathan Cooper, while he did improve his run defense from last year, he is still not exactly a good run defender. And Nicholas Petit Freire, I know a lot of people had issues with him coming out. He's a physical guy, and if he gets his hands on Jonathan Cooper, he's going to take him for a ride. He's um, a, Jonathan, a light outside yeah. linebacker that's yeah, playing Jonathan Kongbo, like Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin is a terrible run defender. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is terrible, and he has consistently been terrible. He's a pass rush specialist in the NFL, and that's all he should be. But so yeah, against this offensive line. Go big. Use those big bodies. Deshaun Williams plays about 315 pounds. DJ Jones is about 310, 315. Mm -hmm. You have Mike Purcell about 330. Let them eat up those blocks. Eat up space. Mike Purcell is a good two-gapper. Let them do that. Just play big physical football up front and let your linebackers roam against the running game because you have the coverage. You have the talent in the secondary. Even with when Mathis, you know, being a rookie and his issues, he still has his moments of brilliance, and this is a good test for him where he's not you know, severely outmatched like he has been in a couple other games. It's a good matchup against him because we'll likely see him against Traylon Burks uh, quite a bit, whereas Patrick Sutan is shutting down Robert Woods. Like This is a great game to go big. Be physical up front. You can't, this isn't the game where you can let Derrick Henry run it. Both offenses are not good offenses, but the difference is the Titans can get that running game going, and they are they have been a hot running offense for the last few weeks because Derrick Henry. Like I didn't like Derrick Henry coming out, and I'm a complete fool for that. <laughs> I didn't think I, I I don't want to say that I didn't think his game would transition. I just thought with the game going to more you know faster, um, quicker things that he wouldn't work. But then you have to factor in one thing I didn't factor in is with offense is doing that defenses are doing the same thing and then you bring in this big physical back that could just smash you in the mouth run you over that's where his success is like that that can't be touched on enough because you gotta you gotta counter that and you can't counter it by being small you gotta counter it by being big again jonathan cooper small Kongbo small martin is small all these edge defenders are small Go big. Even using Matt Henningsen, you have the defensive lineman to be part of a rotation. Mm -hmm. Do you use that rotation? Yeah, that's that's what seems to make the most sense to me. It's like you start going, oh, we've got questions at edge. we got questions at edge. we got questions at edge. Well, I'll, I got your answer for you. Don't play with an edge. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's let's get rid of the three, the, the front three with two edge guys. You know, unless you're going to do, like you said earlier, you you said Draymond at edge. Okay, that's that's yeah. close. Maybe he's out a little wider, but that's that's very similar is to get those guys out on the field. So, Scott, we got to bring back the Bears 46 defense. Now, I don't remember everybody on that defense, but there's a couple names that are going to live on for a long, long time. Richard Dent was a man. Mike Singletary, obviously, one of the greatest to ever play. Wilbur Marshall, back when linebackers were cool. Um <laughs> 
they had a few of them. That was uh that was a, that was a fun and and uh, and Buddy Ryan was a crazy man. He uh he liked to attack and attack attack attack. So he he was a crazy man. Now you mentioned a couple guys. Uh, we're at forty five minutes. We'll probably get out of here pretty soon. But you mentioned a couple guys. Some of the new players. Um, Jacob Martin and Chase Edmonds. Is there any chance we see them this week? They were traded during the buy, so they've had a little bit more time. How much do you need your number three running back if that's where he's going to be? And could we see Jacob Martin spell some of these guys after they've gone big and they've got him in third and eight? Now we're in a passing situation. Let's go light. Yeah, I mean, if you force them into obvious passing situations, I think we will see Jacob Martin then. And I, I do think we'll see Chase Edmonds as well. They seem to really covet him as part of the piece. And from what I understand, I think Chase Edmonds spoke about it in his introductory press conference that he was deciding between the um, Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos or the Denver Broncos were in on him. The Denver, something to that effect anyways. And he told Russell Wilson at one point that he, because he saw him in Las Vegas or something, Los Angeles, that he wanted to play with him at some point. I think we'll see him because Chase Edmonds does bring some, explosiveness to the offense from the running back position that this offense is lacking. Latavius Murray is a big, powerful back. Melvin Gordon is not as quick or explosive as he used to be. So you got to have that. Mike Boone was supposed to be that guy and they lost it. My concern with Chase Edmonds is he is an outside zone only runner and Denver's been going away from that because, quite frankly, you don't have the pieces to do that. Your <laughs> offensive line isn't exactly built to do that, and you don't have the tight ends or the blocking from the receivers to really be an outside zone team. That's what makes the San Francisco 49ers so successful is they have they have Juan Gen or Juan Jennings, Juan Jennings, Jennings at wide receiver, Debo Samuel, who are absolutely tremendous blockers. George Kittle's a tremendous blocker. They have the they have the movers on the offensive line. They have the pieces, the pieces. You don't have that here. Chase Edmonds comes from that, and he was struggling being an outside zone only runner in Miami. So when it comes to passing downs, that's where I would expect to see Chase Edmonds the most, trying to be a weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. And then again, Jacob Martin, when you want to go a little bit smaller or have them in obvious passing situations and you need more of a boost to get after the quarterback, you're pulling off Mike Purcell, you're pulling off Deshaun Williams, and out come Jonathan Cooper, and out comes Jacob Martin. To go get after, bang up Ryan Tannehill if he plays, or go and try and keep Malik Willis contained if he's the one who's starting. When I sneeze, I sneeze in bunches. So uh, that was three. Well, hopefully we'll stop at three. But um, again, uh, as Colin asked, didn't the Dolphins just throw him in to unload his salary? It doesn't mean you had to keep him. Um, but yeah. they, they could have cut him, but they needed to make a move, and they could have done some things. Uh, he was a player who there there's a reason why he signed a big contract. You're hoping you can find that guy, and he can help you come out and win the game. Uh, any burning desires, any last wishes before we get out of here? Uh, does the, uh, the injuries, does it change your prediction and what you think you expect to see out of this game? Um, I had, I think I had 20 to 13 the other night. Uh, I think the Broncos may score a little bit more. So like 20 to 18, I'm going to still go with the Titans on this one though, for the same reason I had before. Um, very good defense, more of an identity running the ball home game um and you know overall i think they're just they're a little bit more disciplined and better coached at this stage of their careers versus one guy that's been there for several years versus nathaniel hackett who's still kind of finding his way yeah i think i think i picked denver to win but 
I, this is a game that I could easily see the Titans pull out. It's a early morning East Coast game where the Broncos have historically struggled and against a physical offense and a physical defense that can attack them exactly where they are weak at. Even without Jeffrey Simmons, they still have talent on the defensive line. Um, Tier Tart, I mean, he's just a physical run defender that loves to go, you know, come south against the play, just blows up everything in front of him. Um, Denico Autry, Denico Autry is also a great defender that they move around a lot. Rashid Weaver, um, or Rashad Weaver has been having a great um, season for them as a depth guy. And Bronco fans will be familiar with him. Demarcus Walker has been bringing it as a pass rusher as well in certain such in key situations too. So it's, it's a tough matchup for them factoring in everything. Ultimately, I think the Titans pull out the win in this one. I think for the reasons you said as well, the coaching and the discipline of it, I think that is the most, the, one of the biggest factors as well. Well, we will see. I think I'm about two and six on picking games for the Broncos this year. So uh, <laughs> I was I was oversold early, and then uh, the one I picked them to lose that they did win was uh, the 49ers game, which I've kind of likened this game to that game. If you're going to win this game, it's going to be defense and special teams, mm-hmm. and you know one turnover could swing this thing. So it's going to be tight. I expect that one. What I do like more than anything on this, Eric, is the under. I think the over-under was somewhere like 39. Uh, if you check out SI Sportsbook or or my bookie, it was about 39. And uh, I like the under on that one. I think I picked about yeah. – uh, I, I came in at 38 is what I just said, so maybe it's closer than I think. But I, I think it could be a 11-10 game like we saw with, uh, with the Broncos and 49ers. So I'd go under. Dolph has the over here, 24-17 Broncos, and Patrick gets two picks. On that note, I think it's about time for us to get out of here tonight. This was the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at DVDD underscore pod or at to find all of your information for all of the shows, all of the pod, all of the content, all of everything at Mile High Huddle. Also hit huddleuppod.com to get your, I can't say that, to go get your merch, go get your gear. And finally, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest your deacon, your right guard, a five-star <laughs> review for a chance to win something eat, each much. And if you can't do any of those things, hey, like the ticker says, scrolling across the bottom, please like, subscribe, and or share. It helps us find more Broncos fans and evidently more trolls and spam bops, just like y'all. Eric, any final words before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I just want to say with the under or the over under on the points i would totally pound the under i have i have the combined score being at 30 points and i could see i think that's ultimately where it is i'm barring a major surprise barring a huge day by one of the defenses with turnovers and you know scoring directly off of them both defenses are absolutely insane um two of the best two of the best units in the nfl this year mm-hmm. um the issue both teams have issues on offense I fully expect a low-scoring defensive affair. It's two great defenses against two really poor offenses. So, obviously, it's going to be 34-31. to 31. So, on that note, <laughs> Eric, thanks for having me in. Uh, appreciate you letting me sit in and, and guest host. And thanks, all of y'all, for putting up with me for another night. You won't see me again until Monday morning, but we will be back on Sunday night with the gut reaction. I guess that would be Sunday afternoon then, wouldn't it? Sunday afternoon with the gut reaction right after the game. So make sure to uh, 
to keep up with everything, follow those. Make sure you don't miss anything. Hit the subscribe so you get the alerts. So until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for being with us tonight. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.